out there in podcast land. You've sent it down once again to Combat Sports with Rhino, your first, best, and only all-encompassing podcast for all things combat sports. We are on now on episode 56, if you can believe it. I am so happy to have you guys back on the dial today. Today's episode is going to include a whole bunch of good stuff, mostly voice questions and uh, writing questions from the Rhino gang, but not to be missed or be buried. My interview with PFL welterweight David Bulldog Mashad will come on a little bit later on the show. Hope you guys check that out. It is a very cool interview. Very cool fighter. Really looking forward to that one. So our schedule for today is going to be, we're going to go over really quickly the uh, a few of the fights from Ryzen 26 from the Saitama Super Arena in Japan. Then I'm going to go over the Ryan Garcia, Luke Campbell, 135-pound lightweight interim title fight from last night. Then I'm also going to go into, we'll give Drea a call, of course. We'll get Drea's drop of the night. We'll get our uh, Twitter questions read, which are some fire ones. And then uh, some voice questions. Then the aforementioned David Bulldog Mashad will be joining us for a fun 10 rounds of Rhino, followed by our outro. And then that is going to rock and roll for today's episode. So as the Lonely Island loves, let us know, we're going to get our twin chunks and our flippy floppies on and dive right in. So from Ryzen 26 in Japan, the Adam Weight title was on the line with Akaya Hamasaki versus Mayu Yamamoto. This was a beautiful submission in the first round for Akaya. Uh, the the rarely seen leg scissor choke. If you guys have not seen this before, uh, definitely check it out on YouTube. It is there, but basically it's you wrap your legs around the motherfucker's neck and you squeeze. It's like a, you know, like what your big brother probably beat you up doing uh, when you're a kid, but it is a really cool move that I haven't seen in a long time. So big win for her to win the Adam Weight title over there for Ryzen. Uh, then we had longtime vet. Our, for those of us like myself who are pride never die fans, Takanori Gomi came out of his long hiatus to fight Koji Tanaka. Uh, he got a majority decision. This was a custom rules bout. So, um, you know, they were supposed to just stand up. So it's basically kickboxing with with uh, MMA gloves for uh, so another win for Takanori Gomi on his long, illustrious career. Uh, then we had Tenshin Naz- Nazukawa versus Kamandoi Petjar Konvit and uh Tenchi is the one who fought Floyd Mayweather in that exhibition bout, if you guys didn't know. But he's a really good kickboxer, even though he looked terrible against Floyd in that exhibition. But uh, he got a unanimous decision. And then finally, the, the biggest one of the night, the 135-pound championship was on the line with Kyoji Horiguchi versus Kai Asakura. And at 248, it was just round one. Uh, Kyoji Horiguchi hit him with a couple really good, strong rights, put Kai on his back, landed a couple more while he was down. End of the fight, Kyojo Horiguchi, 135-pound championship retention. Great win for him. Alrighty, moving into boxing. The big fight from last night was Ryan Garcia versus Luke Campbell from over there in uh, Great Britain. This one was interesting, man. I know a lot of us on MMA Twitter who are uh, maybe not boxing fans tuned into this one because I saw a lot of chit-chat about it on the uh, TL last night. But Ryan Garcia, dude, all the hype in the world, he got dropped. Luke threw a beautiful overhand left, cracked Ryan right on the spot, put him on his back. He gamely got right back up and pretty much from that point forward um, took control of the fight. Now, Luke Campbell did a great job of blocking a lot of shots because uh, Ryan Garcia is pretty high volume. He tends to carry his hands low, but he throws a lot of a lot of hard shots. And Luke did a good job of evading and blocking. A lot of them were caught in the gloves and the arms, but then more and more started landing. Um, and then in the seventh round, a beautiful uh, liver shot. So a long kind of looping left hook to the right side of the body of Luke Campbell landed, put him down end of the fight. Seventh round for uh win for Ryan Garcia. What's next for him? We have a great question about that. When we get into the rhino gang section of the questions, I believe it's my homie Jim Asun who asked that one. So uh, D reigns, since we're going to have such a big Q and a session today, let's go ahead and give Dre a call now so we can get her drop of the night and get rocking and rolling on these Twitter questions, my dude. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the Rhino gang. Now we've got our feature player, Drea, who is joining us. And Drea, before we get into the Twitter questions, we absolutely have our world-famous Drea's drop of the night. Oh, I love that soundbite, dude. That's the new <laughs> That's the new soundbite that our the best engineer in the biz, D-Rays, came up with, and I absolutely love it. So, Drea, let's go ahead and get into your Drea's drop of the night, your world-famous Drea's drop of the night. All right. So my drop of the night is going to come from last night's boxing match between Ryan Garcia versus Luke Campbell. Uh, after Campbell dropped Ryan in the second 
the second round, Ryan recovered and continued to dominate the fight. And then in round seven, Ryan just connected with this beautiful liver shot that brought Campbell to his knees and he was just not able to continue the fight, uh, making Ryan the WBC interim lightweight champion. So my drop of the night goes to King Ryan Garcia. But I do have uh, an honorable mention to give uh, uh, Horiguchi Kyoji's uh, TKO finish over, oh, I'm going to pronounce it wrong, but Asakura Kai uh, was definitely a beautiful drop as well that um, happened in Risen this week. Um, so shout out to Horiguchi for that beautiful win. Absolutely. So we are having a pretty special episode being it's another week without UFC fights. We did a almost entirely Q&A show, which we had some awesome uh, submissions from the Rhino Gang. I know our first one comes from our dear friend and CSWR award recipient, Sin City Sarah. Andrea, what does Sin City Sarah have for this week's show? If Chandler wins his first UFC fight, how likely are you to jump on the Chandler train and give in to the hype? Quickly, or would it take a few good impressions first? I'm already on the train, but it's feeling a little lonely sometimes. He's got well, a lot a lot to prove now. <laughs> yeah, it's going to stay lonely for the old Rhino because I'm not jumping <laughs> on yet. Uh, Sarah, I'm going to need several wins before I see Chandler as like a title contender. Um, if the hooker fight happens, which it looks like it's going to, and he wins and looks good, that's a great step in the right direction, right? Um, he's 5-2 and two in his last seven um, with both losses to uh, Patricky Pimple and Brett it's Primus, but I would say Primus because I, you know, I love '90s rock. So, so Brett Primus was uh, were his two losses in Bellator over his last seven fights. Uh, we all know that in the talent-rich 155-pound UFC, it's a lot different level of talent than there is over in Bellator, at least right now. Um, so, I'm going to say that I need him to go at least two and three. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hold on. <laughs> I said two or three wins before I will put him in that title contention, um, being able to compete at that level uh, at the stage of his career. So, yeah, two to three wins. You get those. Yes, I will absolutely uh, jump on board the hype train of Michael Chandler, but I'm going to need those two to three before I sign off on that. So great question. Sin City Sarah. Um, if you guys haven't already, absolutely check out her YouTube page. She is hilarious. So look at Sin City Sarah on the TL and click on one of her YouTube links. She is so funny. Um, all right. I know our next one comes from the homie at Unmatched MMA Pod. What did he have this week, Drea? Which matchup are you most looking forward to seeing this year and why? This can be for both UFC and boxing. As far as MMA, dude, um, I'm mostly looking forward to John Jones' heavyweight debut for sure. Like, regardless of who the opponent is, to be honest. I mean, of course, there's some that are better matchups and sexier matchups than other ones, but I really just want to see John Jones at heavyweight. It's such an interesting uh, look at a guy who has been so dominant for so long at 205 moving up to fight against the big boys um, for boxing. Well, that's, that's my answer for MMA for sure. For boxing, it's definitely Tyson Fury versus Anthony Joshua. Everybody knows I'm a huge heavyweight fan. Uh, Tyson Fury, six foot nine, extremely crafty in there, not just defensively, but offensively. And then you got Anthony Joshua, who is an Adonis, six six, built like a brick shit house. Um, also, very high fight IQ. Uh, this is a very interesting matchup. They've been kind of circling each other for a long, long time. You know, last year we kind of had the three kings with Wilder, Joshua, and Fury. Um, Fury has a draw and a loss against Tyson. I'm sorry. Uh, Deontay Wilder has a draw and a loss against Tyson Fury. So, uh, Joshua is the most logical next fight. For both of them, I really look forward to seeing it. I think it could be uh, a very interesting fight. So I'm very look, much looking forward to Tyson Fury versus Anthony Joshua in boxing and then just seeing whoever John Jones debuts against in, uh, in the UFC. So thank you very much, homie. Really appreciate the question. Um, let's move into our, our homie, Rage the Sweet Potato. And he's got some really interesting ones right here. Why don't we go ahead and get started on these? Okay, so question one. Who are some actors, men and women, that you would like to see portray an MMA fighter in a movie or a TV series? And who are some fighters that you would like to see as an action hero in a movie or a TV show? Okay, so I'd love to see uh, Michelle Rodriguez play like a KG veteran, 115, 125-pounder. Uh, we've seen how she could be a super badass in Girl Fight and SWAT and, you know, the... Uh, Fast and the Furious franchise, so I really like Michelle Rodriguez. I think she would be a super badass 
uh, you know, cagey veteran MMA fighter in a movie. Um, I think Chris Hemsworth, uh, you know, Thor himself as like a light heavyweight, or since I hear he might be doing a biopic of Hulk Hogan, he might have bulked up even more. So maybe a heavyweight, but I think he could be a really cool, um, you know, MMA fighter, either light heavyweight or heavyweight in a, in the right venue, you know, or in the right project. Um, action heroes, I think like, I don't know. I also thought about maybe Dustin Poirier. He could be like an action hero who's a current MMA fighter. I thought of something kind of like Walking Tall. Remember that movie from the early 2000s where The Rock like returns to his small town and has to like <laughs> clean it up from corruption? I think Dustin Poirier could do something similar to that, like, but just change it to be like a like a bayou town. You know what I mean? Like a like a deep swamp south in Louisiana where he comes home from like the military or something and uh, has to clean up the corruption, whether it's a, I don't know. I think it'd be a fun one to see him as a, uh, as like a small town sheriff trying to clean up the corruption. And then I also thought this would be a cool one. Maybe Michelle Watterson, who as a Thai American has to like return to Thailand to avenge something that's terrible that has happened to her family. Uh, you know I, mean? I, thought, I thought she could be like some cool, super spy, badass karate hottie shit you know like a martial arts movie and plus it would take place in thailand which i think is one of the most beautiful countries landscape wise that there is and i'm a huge fan plus you have the muay thai culture there that you could you know incorporate into it somehow so yeah dude definitely dustin poirier and then michelle karate hottie watterson would be who i'd put into like the action roles for current mma fighters so uh, that's a great first part um what, so question, what's the, yeah, what's the second question? Question two. You've been given a time machine and the mission of replacing any fighter except Royce Gracie in the first UFC with a modern fighter from any weight class. Who are you taking out and who are you putting in? Note, I, this change will likely result in a modern fighter wrecking house. Yeah, yeah, for sure, dude. I would probably <laughs> take away uh, Ken Shamrock and put GSP in his place. I think when people saw how well, like how well uh, GSP as such a well-rounded fighter could do both on the feet and the ground, it would increase interest faster and MMA would even be further ahead as a mainstream sport than it is now. You're right. GSP in current GSP form, or at least in championship form, GSP, he would have wrecked house for the first however many he entered, at least to the first 10, right? But I think the benefit that would come out of that would be people would be like, oh, you don't need to just stand up and punch and kick. Oh, you don't need to just be able to submit people on the ground. You could do both against anybody. And I think that would even have catapulted the sport um, into the mainstream faster Much than faster. it did. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to go with GSP for uh, for the insertion into uh, UFC 1. That would be my uh, call on that one. Uh, Ray Jupiter has a third part, Dre. What's the third part of this one? <laughs> If you could attend an open-air outdoor UFC event anywhere in the world <clears throat> under the perfect weather conditions, where would it be? Oh, that's easy, my man. <laughs> I'm, very, I'm very selfish, and I very uh, distinctly dislike like long travel. So I'm going to go, and I love Detroit. Uh, that's where I'm from. That's where I grew up. So I love the idea of having Comerica Park, where the Tigers play. It is a new-ish um, very beautiful stadium. It's a place where you can hold 40,000 people. It's less than an hour away from where I live now. So Comerica Park, it, it has, you know, has mass transit that goes there. It is a absolutely um, beautiful part of Detroit uh, in the downtown. And so, yeah, Comerica Park, open air. Oh, my God. I would love the UFC to do an open air uh, show and I would be there with fucking bells on, dude. So yes, plus it would bring it would bring a big economic swing upwards uh, to the to, to the city that I love so much. So absolutely, Detroit, absolutely the Comerica Park where the Tigers play. So very very awesome questions, my man RSP. Thank you so much for asking them. I know the next one comes from the homie Mr. B. Mr. B, what do you got for us this week, my dude? What fights are you looking forward to in the first half of the new year, MMA or boxing? So I answered that a little bit previously, but what I'll say this for sure, another fight I'm really looking forward to that's actually in the books is Dustin versus Connor too. Say what you will about Connor, man, and, all, and I've said it too, mm -hmm. but he brings that big fight feel every single time. He brings more eyes to the fucking sport, which are always good, which is always a good thing to have. You know what I mean? That means, um, that means more ticket sales. That means more pay-per-view buys. Um, it just means better. It's just better for the sport. So I think Dustin is a better fighter than when they fought the first time. I think the first go round, Connor definitely got into Dustin's head with all of his antics. I don't think 
he will as much this time around. They're also fighting at 55 as opposed to 45, which is a big deal. They're both older. They're both bigger guys now. It's it's going to be a different fight physically for them fighting at 55 than they did at 45. Um, I also think the, the real bad blood is going to be there, but it's also going to be more um, more subtle. I don't think it's going to be as getting each other's really hot under the collar where you can't wait to just go out and rip the other guy's head off. I think it's going to be more subtle under the surface bad blood and i think that's going to lead to a very technical and like fun fight on the feet for as long as it lasts so dude mr b i am definitely looking forward to dustin poirier the diamond versus connor the notorious connor mcgregor to plus connor's return always is a fun interesting situation so for sure dustin versus connor too is my answer on that one thank you very much mr b my friend already now we got our our girl brat from over there in Sweden. So what does Brad have for us this week? Amanda Nunes said she was going to have a busy 2021. So I was wondering what you thought that meant. And also, if you could make any matchup without bothering about what's possible for her in 2021, what would that be? A rematch with Val or Cybert or maybe Clarissa Shields or Kayla Harrison? So, Brad, what I'm hoping for is that she fights three to four times in 2021. I know she took the majority of last year off, which makes total sense. She wanted to spend as much time as she could with Nina going through her pregnancy and the birth of the baby. But now that everyone is happy and healthy, uh, I'm sure she is chomping at the bit to get back in there. Amanda Nunes is a fighter's fighter, dude. She loves to get in there and scrap. She has a, a real... An intensity that you don't see with everybody, which is why I think part of why she's been so successful in addition to her skill set. I I like the fact that I think she's going to defend both titles in 2021, both at 35 and 45. Again, I look to see her fighting three to four times this year. I really do. Um, I think part two is, yes, if all parameters were kind of put aside, right, we could kind of do some fantasy booking, as they say. I would very much like to see a, a rematch with Cyborg at 45, even though she's in Bellator. Valentina at 135, because to me, they're one and one. I know the record says Amanda won both, but not to me, she didn't. To me, it's one and one, and I would love to see what in my mind would be a rubber match at 135 um, and have Val move up and you know then fight at 135, because there's no way Amanda can make 25, I don't think. And then, yes, let's watch the If we're talking full fantasy booking, I'm going to Lioness <laughs> blasting Kayla Harrison's face. Dude, over and over again, get rid of her smugness. She has fought nothing but tomato cans, and she considers herself this amazing fighter, but I don't I don't agree. So I would love to see Amanda Nunes smash her. Shout out to my girl, Shaylin. She knows what I'm talking about. We have, our, we have our very similar opinions about Kayla Harrison. But, yeah, love Amanda Nunes. I would love to see her um, get at least three or four fights in the upcoming year because I think – after that, she really may be considering retiring. I know she's done, you know, getting towards the end of the career. She's done everything she needed to do to, you know, that she would want to accomplish in the world. She's making tons of money, thankfully, because she deserves it, being a double champ. And uh, yeah, so I'd like to see her fight three to four times this year, and then maybe, you know, maybe right off into the sunset and uh, let let Nina kind of be the um, fighter of the family for another for you know another year or two. Um, yeah, so that's what I see for them. So that's a great question. I hope you're doing well, Brad, my dear friend. And uh, let's move into the homie Dean Dog. Dean Dog, what do you got for us, my dude? Do you think that when a champion wants to move up and fight against another division, they should have to give up their current belt? I know most people love the champ champ <laughs> stuff, but I'm curious. Uh, Dean, I'm totally fine with the rare double champ scenario as long as they defend both titles in the ensuing year, right? Like, I hate the idea of, like, where you're a double champ and then you only fight once the next year or maybe even none at all, and then you're able to hold both because it really holds up the divisions. It bottlenecks it, you know what I mean? It clogs up for the uh, the entire weight class. Uh, thankfully, that's very rare, right? As the years progress and the divisions deepen with talent, not just from 1 to 10, but from, like, 10 to 30, you know, in the rankings, I don't think we're going to see very many more double champs. I mean, in the in the... Immediate, I know the the Izzy uh, 205 and 185 is possible, but I think a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, I don't think we're going to see too many scenarios where somebody has the um, ability to be a double champ in the UFC. I just I just don't see it happening very much. Um, 
So, yeah, I, I think it'll become obsolete, thankfully. Um, but, no, I don't think someone has, should have to give up their belt if they didn't lose it as long as they defend it within a year's time. Uh, but that's just me. That's my opinion. So, Dean Dog, thank you very much, my dude. I hope the weather there is better than it is here. And uh, you can get out on your Harley today for a little run, man, because it is crap weather here in Michigan. <laughs> and it was, it, was, it was ice storming for two days, and then it snowed all last night and through the morning, and now it is freezing rain. So it is no conditions for that, my man. So I hope you are uh, able to get out there for another day on the road, because I know that's what you love the best, and we all are. Uh, we're all thinking of you, my man. Thank you for that question. And uh, I know the last one comes from our girl, Jess, or is better known as, for me, the Scream Queen Supreme. Jess, what do you got for us this week? Dana said that major cuts will be made, but not many have been made yet. Do you think after these next few cards, we will see some major releases? I certainly think it's possible because, you know, the the mass cuts never really came to fruition, right? But, yeah, some people were let go and whatnot, but it wasn't anything more than a normal kind of cut scenario. I'm hoping not. There there may be the deal where they let go of, like, 10 here and 5 there, but I don't think that big number that we all heard, you know, that 60 all the way up to 100 people, you know, I just I don't think that's going to happen. There There may be... Like I said, there may be a five here or a seven there to kind of get cut, but I don't think there's going to be a one-time chopping block like like Black Friday kind of a scenario. Um, I would really like to see the roster stay more intact, not just because I think fighters deserve their job and they deserve to be on the roster and be getting paid, but with with so many fights that are still on the books in schedule, you know how many that fall out, right, I mean, yeah. because of because of the cove or because of weight cutting or because of whatever uh, travel restrictions. I mean, there are so many things. It's better to have substitutes at the ready who could fight people on the roster means that your cards can stay together. Even in late replacements, it's a better idea to have more people on the roster than not. So no, I, I don't foresee there being this huge cut that we all kind of thought there was. And if, they, if there is, I think they'll kind of do a little bit more sneakily where, you know what I mean? It'll be five here, seven there, as opposed to a massive 60, 70 fighter at one time cut. You know what I mean? Right. That's what I was thinking. But then I also thought, have there been cuts that we're just not aware of? Like, I mean, I'm sure there's, there's fighters that are, you know, a lot lower on the roster that don't have that, you know, that big social media presence. Like, I'm wondering if there have been people cut that we're just not really completely aware of. Yeah, I'm know? sure I'm sure that there has, but that always has been the case. You right. know what I mean? Like the entirety of since the UFC came since its inception, whenever right. it's time to cut somebody, you know, they cut a few people here and there, but you don't really hear too much about it. You know what I mean? Right. Like right. contracts extend and then they get over and then you don't you just don't hear about it. So. Um, right. Yeah, I think that's probably has gone on, and I think that's kind of going to be what continues to go on. So yeah, great okay. question, Jess, the Scream Queen Supreme, back in the biz. I really appreciate you uh, participating this week. So, Drea, that is our writing question portion for today. I got a lot of voice questions I got to get to, but All right. we certainly look forward to having you back on next week for our show. You are an integral part of this show. My feature player, Drea, thank you so much for joining us again this week. All right. See you next week. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's get into our voice question. Our first one comes from my dear homie Kairos with the Shots Fired Pod. Kairos, what do you got for us this week, my dude? Hey, Rhino. Hey, Dre. First of all, thank you guys so much for the award from last pod. I appreciate it greatly. This 12 feet tall platinum trophy is phenomenal. I know everybody else is going to be sad because they didn't get an award that's physical. But guess what? I'm the best. I'm special. That's why you sent it to me, man. I appreciate it anyway. We see where Kevin Holland is right now. He has a ranking next to his name. He's looking good in the midway picture. Who do you think that he should fight after he beats Derek Brunson? Because let's just be real. He's going to beat Derek Brunson. Who should he face after? Thank you so much, you two. Have a great day. <laughs> yes, man. I'm glad that you uh, sold, sold this out. The, the, the secret is out that we sent you a giant... Uh, real life statue for your award. <laughs> um, yeah, dude. Uh, Kevin Holland after Derek Brunson um, is a great question. I think I'm going to go with I'm going with Jared Cannonier. Uh, even though he lost to Robert a, a few months ago, he's still uh, a top five at 185. Brunson is number seven. Um, I, I think I think for for Kevin Holland to kind of level up again, right? Which he's been constantly doing is leveling up, leveling up like a video game. Uh, I think he needs to get through someone like Jared Cannonier. I thought about Darren Till a little bit. Um, Darren Till, I, I do like that fight if it were to happen. Unfortunately, Darren Till has kind of been, uh, he's been hard to get in the cage as of late, right? And I don't think, um, 
I don't know, I don't, you know, injury prone or whatever you want to call it, but I like that idea as well. But I think next after should Kevin Holland, because I agree with you, I think Kevin Holland will be, um, will be Derek Brunson. I think Kevin Holland versus Jared Cannonier is the next uh, step for him at 185. I think it'd be a great, uh, really a great fight. I think it'd be, you know, it, you'd have the incredible. Um, the incredible creativity of Kevin Holland, right? Uh, his length, his his ability to kick from weird angles and punch versus Cannoneer's just unbelievable strength. I think that you know could pose a lot of really fun spots and parts during that fight. So I'd really like to see it. Uh, so yeah, that's my question on that one, man. Jared Cannoneer for Kevin Holland, should he get through uh, Derek Brunson? So thank you very much, Kairos. If you guys haven't already, absolutely check out Kairos uh, either on his YouTube channel, which is amazing, or the shots fired pod, which everybody knows I gush over because I love it so much. So thank you so much, Kairos. Uh, all right. I know our next one comes from my boy, Juicy Fruit Bebe from the fourth, breaking the fourth wall pod. Juice, what do you got for us this week, my dude? Rhino, this is Juice. Hope year 2020 was remarkable in some way, you know, good, bad, or indifferent. And then we can put it in the rear view and look ahead to 2021. My question for you is this. I was thinking about this the other day. I don't know if you remember this. Uh, there was a story that came out a few months ago that said Antonio Tarver was hired by the uh, Greg Robinson, I believe is his name, the gentleman who put together the Black Zillions to be the uh, boxing coach. And uh, I don't know if the team was still together at that time. Like it eventually got dismantled and became like, you know, they split up and there was a combat club or Hard Knocks 365. Some guys went with Henry Hooved, etc. Um, but you as a professional boxer yourself who would you want to be hired for uh meaning like a gym or a team in mma and what would you kind of focus on who do you hope to develop uh their boxing skills get at me brother great question juice uh right away i knew who i was going to say when i heard this question i'm going with andre berto as the boxing coach for an mma gym why? Because not only was he an extremely high-level boxer, but his father and brother, professional MMA fighters. So he's been around that world. He knows the vernacular. He could bring his boxing to a gym like that. And he also kind of knows how the stances are different, how you hold your hands differently. He knows the difference between the two, and I think could very clearly and easily articulate that to MMA fighters who have never heard that kind of information before. Uh, who would I pick in the UFC? Like the first person that comes to mind would be the youngster Chase Hooper, dude. Phenomenal groundwork, amazing submission game, but critically lacking standing striking skills effectively, particularly the, the boxing. So I think you put Andre Berto, someone like Andre Berto with Chase Hooper for like six months. I think you would see a far more well-rounded um, fighter in Chase Hooper than we all could have imagined. Like the kids already won fights just going off of his submission game, right? His stand-up is really, really far behind where it needs to be. I think someone like Andre Berto is the absolute perfect fit for someone like Chase Hooper to uh, become a contender. Like literally, I think six months of just straight up striking would do that kid a world of good. And I would love that uh, teaming of those two people. So great question, Juice. If you guys haven't already and you're into the seeds, huh? Check out Juice's Breaking with the Fourth Wall Podcast. It is awesome. Um, so yeah, give that one a listen. All righty, let's go to our third question. It comes from the mascot of Combat Sports Rhino, my homie Judah. Judah, what do you got this week, dude? Hey, Rhino. This is Judah. What's your all-time favorite fight? Judah, my main guy. Great job, man. Um, my favorite fight ever is Forrest Griffin versus Stefan Bonner 1 from the first season of The Ultimate Fighter. This was the finale. The fight was amazing. The drama of the contract, being having a contract given to both guys was awesome. Everybody in the crowd was having such a great, fun time. Um, you know, I was emotionally invested in all the people from watching them for the entire season. So, yes, that was amazing. So, Ultimate Fighter 1, Stefan Bonner versus Forrest Griffin. And again, Judah, great job on the question, my dude. Combat Sports with Rhinos, mascot supreme, Judah Fretz. Thank you so much, buddy. All right, and our next one comes from Judah's dad, Dave Fretz, my man, the Einstein of graphic design. Check him out on both Twitter and Instagram, at Dave Fretz. The man is the master of graphic design, and my good broski. What do you got for us this week, Dave? Hey, what's up, Rhino? This is Dave Fretz, at Dave Fretz on Twitter and Instagram. Question for you today has to do with um, the 
humanizing of athletes, more specifically fighters. I uh, saw an interesting conversation today on Twitter um, stemming from one of uh, Alex Behunin's shout out to at Alex Behunin on Twitter, one of his posts um, to do with um, the favorite things of Alexander Volkanovsky. And a conversation arose uh, that was it possible or do we think it's possible to humanize athletes? Um, a couple of us agreed it could be, some disagreed. Uh, it felt like it was maybe stemming from the masses and the way they act on Twitter, uh, at least which was my take. Uh, but I would say that's not the general fan base. Anyways, just curious on your take on this and what do you think? Talk to you soon. Peace. Yeah, dude. I think it's easier to humanize fighter than it is like team sport guys, right? So you're first of all, they're out there all alone. Um, and there's so much on the line. I think more so than in a team sport, we're talking about injuries and health, even higher level than, uh, you know, team sports. Plus you don't have your teammates to rely on. I think everyone can kind of get to know a fighter's personality much easier. Um, and kind of more intimately than you can with like an NFL player or an NBA player or an NHL player, uh, because there's so much more accessible fighters are the most accessible professional athletes in the world. You can't tell me otherwise, either through social media or through their interviews, you get to know more about them, which I think certainly lends to the idea of seeing them through the spectrum that they're just, they're just a regular person who does this extraordinary thing, which, which in turn humanizes them to the rest of us. So, yeah, I think definitely the humanization of fighters is easier to do than with any other professional sport. That's definitely my opinion on that one. So great question, Dave. Thank you so much, my brother. Um, let's move into our next question. We have we're going we're going back to back to back Canadian. So let's go with our big homie Jim Assoon. And I'm assuming he's gonna call us casuals. <laughs> so what does Jim have for us this week, Dave? What's going on, you bunch of fucking casuals? Rhino and the Rhino Gang, hope everybody's doing well. Hope you had a good Christmas and New Year's. I hope I get this in on time. I'm not sure I did. Uh, sorry, man, I get so many fucking DMs for weed shit that it's hard to scroll through and see everybody's that comes in, you know what I mean? So, uh, sorry, just been busy. But uh, my question for you is uh, Garcia. Uh, what's next for him? It's a boxing, obviously, you know that. You know, It just happened a little while ago. So what do you think is next for him? That's my question for you this week. Uh, like I say, hope you're getting enough time. If not, no big deal. We'll get you on the next one. Give us a great work, bud. I love the show. And, you know, it's always 420. Peace. Uh, yeah, great question, man. What I see next for Ryan Garcia after his big win over Luke Campbell last night has got to be either Javante Davis, Devin Haney, or Tiafimo Lopez. Stylistically, well, first of all, these are the these are the four kings of uh, lightweight right now. But they all pose different challenges for Garcia. Uh, one thing we did learn about him last night for uh, Little King Ryan is we we learned that he the kid can come off of the canvas and still put on a really high level performance, right? So it's 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 always an interesting thing when a fighter gets dropped bad for the first time. How are they going to react? It's always a question that's out there, and um, sometimes answer sometimes guys answer it the right way, and other times they really don't. He did. He got flattened by that big left hand from Campbell straight onto his back, popped right up, and then began to perform well for the remainder of the fight and then got to finish in the seventh round with that liver shot. So, again, it should either be uh, Tank Davis, Devin Haney, or Tiafimo Lopez. I, I love all three of those matchups, to be honest with you. They all pose different challenges for him, but I'm for all that or them doing kind of like a round robin where they all fight each other. So that's what I'm hoping this next for uh, – for King Ryan Garcia. Jim, thank you so much for that question, my dude. Uh, okay, let's go into our last one where we got our homie D. Crons. D. Crons, what do you got for us this week, dude? Hey, Rhino, what's good, brother? Uh, Garcia Campbell last night. I thought Garcia counterpunched beautifully with that left. And eventually that led to that dig to the body that ended it in the seventh. Um, I was impressed with his ability to bounce back after getting dropped in the second round. Um, I just wanted to know what you thought about that, uh, judge's scorecard that, uh, the 10, nine in the second round, what, what's up with that? Also, Garcia looks like the real deal to me. What do you think is in this kid's future? Uh, past that, uh, Rhino, Drea, Dave Fretz. I love you guys. I can't wait to listen to the show and a special shout out and thanks to Judah. Your Christmas message just brightened my holiday. Thank you so much, little man. I hope you guys have a great Sunday. Take care. Bye. 
Oh, Danny boy, you are my homie. <laughs> the, uh, the Texas Boxing Commission and, and judging has always been so suspect, Decrons. I like, dude, nothing surprises me what happens there anymore. Um, Steffi Hayes had a great, <laughs> she had a great meme she put up about, she was like the Texas Commission and it was just a bunch of people in clown suits, so that was hilarious. Uh, Ryan Garcia is super young. But he's got the skill set to be a long-term top guy at 135 or if he moves up to 40. Um, again, when I was kind of talking with Jim's question, he's got to get by at least two out of those three guys. He's got to get by Tiafimo or Tank or Devin. Um, if he can get by a couple of those, I see him being a top, top, top tier guy for a long time to come. If he somehow loses to two or all three, if they all, if they all get in the ring. You know, he's going to kind of be in that next tier down, but he's very young. He's got a long way to go. Uh, he's already got a great skill set, a fantastic fighter. So, yeah, dude, I think he could, he has a very much has the potential to be a top, top, top tier 135er for a lot of years to come, particularly if he can get through at least two of those three uh, other kings in that division. So, uh, thank you very much. And, and Danny boy, I hope uh, you had a great holiday too, my man. And, uh, yeah, we, we absolutely appreciate all your support and your friendship, my dude. So appreciate you. All right. Without further ado, let's take a quick word from our sponsor and then get into our 10 rounds with Rhino with PFL welterweight David Bulldog Michaud. Hey, Rhino gang. Are you looking for a piece of furniture to tie the room together? Maybe make it feel a little bit more homey. How about a beautifully restored dresser for the bedroom or an end table for the family room? We'll look no further than my good friends at K&R Designs. You got a piece of furniture that needs restoration? They got you covered. Looking for a new addition to your home decor that's already been beautifully done? They got you there, too. We're talking dressers, armoires, kitchen tables, cabinets, nightstands, any and all wood furniture you can think of, they've got or can get for you. So check out K&R Designs in-store at 101 West Chicago Boulevard in Tecumseh, Michigan, or on their website, K&RCustomDesigns.com. Check out their Facebook page, K&R Home Deco, that's D-E-C-O, to see everything they have and the amazing work that they can do. You can also call and order at 517-605-7173. They accept PayPal, Venmo, Square, Cash, Check. They accept them all. So if you want the absolute best of the best and restorative wood furniture creators, you got to check out K&R Designs. Tell them you're a member of the Rhino Gang, and that'll get you 20% off your very first purchase. Once again, check out K&R Designs, Combat Sports with Rhino's proud sponsor. All right, ladies and gentlemen of the Rhino Gang, we've got ourselves a very special guest for us all today. We've got PFL Walterway in the house, David Bulldog Mashad. Thank you so much for joining us today, my friend. Thanks. Good to be here. Awesome, bro. So, dude, in 10 Rounds of Rhino, the round one is almost always the same. We love to hear the backstory. So how did you get started in this wild, crazy, wacky world we know as MMA? Well, my dad was a wrestling coach, so you know, I wrestled my whole life ever since I was little. And then just one summer in high school, they had some fights at the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally and he was like hey you want to go do it went up and did it and won pretty easy and took some more fights won them pretty easy again and just kept going oh dude, that's amazing never <laughs> never on the history of this show we had somebody who started their career in the uh Sturgis Motorcycle Rally so that's very awesome bro um David you have been I mean, you, you deserve some sort of Lifetime Road Warrior Award for the amount of promotions that you've not only fought in, but won in, dude. Just to name a few, we've got the UFC, Bellator, LFA, Combate Americas, and most recently the PFL. Do you think the PFL is going to be kind of home for the foreseeable future, or is this kind of still up in the air? Oh, for sure. You know, uh, I'm contracted with them, and I'm excited about this next season. Got a lot of good guys at 170 for me to fight, and hopefully planning on getting – back to the finals and winning it this time hell yeah dude i'm sure anybody around there listening can sure uh use a million dollars at this point <laughs> so that would be awesome for you dude um i actually started out you and i actually started out our amateur careers the exact same time back in 2006 now you're 24 pro fights into your career what's been your key to like having longevity in a sport which does not normally lend itself to 
Um, you know, you just always got to be improving. Uh, there's always going to be someone new coming up, someone with a little more talent, someone with a little better boxing, someone with a little better wrestling. But you just got to keep working, keep improving, and just stay on it, stay grinding. <clears throat> Yeah, absolutely, bro. The uh, being from South Dakota, you're definitely the most well-known current pro out of that beautiful state, which I've been fortunate enough to visit uh, two times in my adult life. Um, what is the MMA scene like in South Dakota? Because I don't think a lot of us know too much about the MMA scene there. So what's what's it kind of been like over the last few years? So, well, I'm living in Phoenix. I've been in Phoenix for like the last six years. Okay. But whenever I was starting out, there was a lot more shows. There was a lot more fights that got put on, so people had a lot more uh, opportunities to get fights. But it was it was fights put on by guys who were, you know, a lot of times they weren't the most up and up guys, the most honest guys, a lot of a lot of shady guys because there was no commission, so they could get away with putting on fights with no blood testing, you know, no medicals. Guys, you could just show up and fight. So once the commission got put in. Now, kind of the only show that really comes around is LFA. They go to Sioux Falls about twice a month or twice a year um, in a normal year. This year, they ended up going to Sioux Falls a lot. They kind of had their base there for one of their, maybe two of their stacks of shows. I'm not sure. But it's hard. It's hard for local guys to get fights. There's not a lot of fights around in South Dakota. Guys got to go down to Nebraska to get fights, up to North Dakota. Wyoming doesn't really have fights. So, you know, you got to go North Dakota, Minnesota, Nebraska to get – they're trying to get fights. So the, the amateur scene is kind of hard now, hard for guys to get a lot of fights. So without being able to get fights, it's hard to get a lot of people excited to keep training. So it's it's tough. But I definitely think that having the commission is a plus. You know, it brought a lot bigger shows. UFC came here. Um and LFA is here, and you know they're one of the bigger, bigger. They're the biggest show at the you know kind of mid-level promotions. So right, it's nice. Um, it's definitely a good thing. I'd rather be fighting, you know, with blood testing than not. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm just I was in high school fighting and just going in and scrapping guys who like were in jail before. And sure. <laughs> Dude, so I, I know that you said you have a contract with the PFL, and I know that they've been off for a while, and I know the new season has been uh, announced when it's going to be starting and getting up. Do you have any idea, kind of a time frame, of when we can hope to see you back in the cage for the PFL? Oh, I hope to be on that first show. You know, it's like April, end of April. I'm not sure exact date, but they put out the schedule, and it's, uh, yeah, end of April will be first show, and I'm definitely, definitely hoping to be on that show. Yeah, dude, we definitely want to see you back in the cage as soon as possible. Uh, your nickname, the Bulldog, suits you perfectly because when you watch David Mashad fight, you're full of tenacity. You are forward moving, super strong wrestler. Um, where did you actually pick up that nickname, and who from? Uh, from my dad when I was little. Uh, it's just always. I mean, everyone, you know, all my friends call me Bulldog ever since I could remember. Everyone just called me Bulldog since I was little. So. It's just always, always been there. And I like how you spell it with the with the D A W G to put it out of the a little bit a cooler spin on it on the end there. Uh, David, away from the cage, or out of the gym, away from training. What are some things that you like to do, just kind of in your own chill time? Like, what are you a gamer? Do you do you like to hunt or fish? Like, what are what are some things you like to do away from the cage? Uh, I guess mostly. Well. This last year, I've been gaming a lot more than I had before. You know, a lot of times whenever I'm in camp, I'll, I'll just kind of cut out the games. I'll cut out the game time because keep me up a little longer than I should be or something. So without having any fights, I was gaming a lot more. Um, but I like to go to movies. I used to, you know, before. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that was about it. Like, I like movies and you know, Marvel movies and superhero movies. And I read a lot of comics. I read a lot too. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. Just normal nerd kind of guy, I guess. Sure. Sure. Dude. I totally understand. Now I was a late, I was a late comer to the Marvel universe. It's only been in the last 
probably since quarantine started because I just never was never my thing. But it turns out I love every single one of them, and I'm all in. I'm all committed to them now. So I absolutely agree with you on that, dude. Uh, when you are training or when you're just taking your run, doing your road work, um, what kind of music are you listening to these days? Are you a metal guy? You a hip hop guy? What's what's kind of your uh, what's kind of your go to music? Uh, now I'm like '90s pop. You know, you nice. give me some think some Backstreet Boys, Britney Spears, and I could break And like I said, I don't, I don't really, I don't run. I don't do a lot of road work. I like to get my cardio through, you know, through wrestling, through fighting, through boxing, more than um, you know, just getting on the road. I don't. To me, I don't feel like that's uh, uh, as beneficial in MMA as it is in you know, like boxing. But uh, yeah, so I'll just do like mostly '90s pop, anything all '90s. But I I listen to a lot of stuff, except not really too much country. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen the meme that goes around? I don't know how active you are on social media, but have you seen the meme that goes around where the the person is telling the therapist that they're afraid of the Backstreet Boys, and then the fucking <laughs> the, the therapist says, "Tell me why," and the kid starts screaming. <laughs> that always makes me. Oh, are you really? <laughs> I definitely am too, bro. So, um, you know, at, at 170, you always been in great fucking shape, dude. Like you are, you, you could look at, you could probably go up or down either weight class. You're always in good shape. Um, I don't think I could go up. You don't think you can go up? Or at 80, you know, like uh, Lombard was probably the boy who had the most uh, success. And other than that, though, not really anyone that short. Right, dude. But the, the point of me doing that was that uh, you're obviously fueling yourself correctly. What's kind of your normal in-camp diet? Like, are you really high protein? Are you really high veg? Do you go vegan, pescatarian? Kind of what's your diet like uh, when it's time for training? Uh, I mean, I don't go vegan or like pescatarian. I guess whenever I'm in camp, sometimes I'll eat more fish. Uh, I try to have salmon at least twice a week. Um I worked with the nutritionist and he got me on like tuna steaks, which aren't the most tasty thing, but they kept me good fuel. But, you know, you got to keep high carbs, keep uh, your veggies up. You got to eat plenty of veggies. And whenever you're working out hard, like you need those carbs. You know, if I'm in there trying to eat keto and I'm not going to be getting the workouts in the way I need to. Whenever I was going 55, it was hard because I wasn't getting enough. Uh, just wasn't getting enough fuel. Um, I couldn't really get my hard workouts in, you know, the, the last like six weeks of camp was just about getting weight down. So at 70, it's definitely a lot better. You know, I can get some good carbs in and I'm not, I mean, I feel like I'm a kind of a smaller 70. So I get eat plenty and not have to worry about watching every single thing. Like, oh, I can have, you know, some extra carbs. I can have some extra rice and not have to worry about it. Okay, sweet. Now on the flip side of that, when it's time where you have to worry about, you don't have to worry about shit. You're like, I'm going to fucking have whatever I want to have. I'm going to have some junk food. I'm going to really indulge in something that's not good for you. What is, what is the bulldog getting into in that situation? Oh, wings. I do wings at least. <laughs> that's the best place I've ever eaten. Just like three, three minutes, four minutes from my house in Phoenix. So. I just, I crush wings at least once a week. Um, but, you know, wings, pizza, like burgers. I mean, well, I get a lot of um, wild game meat, too. So whenever I'm making my burgers, it's not, it's not bad or anything. Because I, I got a lot of friends that are big hunters. So every time I'm coming home in South Dakota, which is where I'm at right now, every time I come home, uh, you know, someone has shot something. Uh, deer season just got over. I think, and one of my buddies owns a few buffalo, and uh, probably try to go see if I get some buffalo meat. Yeah, dude, that sounds awesome. I got to tell you, of everybody I interview, at least seventy-five percent of us, and myself is included in this. Uh, wings is the a number one answer. Whenever I ask anybody that, we all love them. We know they're not the greatest thing for us, but my God, are they tasty? So, David, we appreciate you so much. We're now in our tenth round with Rhino. Can you let the people know your socials, where we can follow you, where we can check you out, where we can keep eyes and tabs on your career as you're moving forward? Uh, yeah, you know, I'm on Instagram, um, Bulldog155. I've never changed it since I was at moving 55. Up. <laughs> uh, yeah, B-U-L-L-D-A-W-G-155. And on uh, 
Twitter, I think it's Bulldog under slash 170. I don't really get on Facebook. I have a um, a Facebook fan page. Maybe, uh, I kind of had it turned off all year just without any fights. Um, Bulldog Mashad, if you guys look it up, it might not be published. But maybe I'll turn it back on before I go to – or before this next season starts up. Yeah, dude, that sounds awesome. Again, we – we absolutely love watching you fight there. I've already I've been watching you fight for years, but it was really fun when I was preparing for this interview to kind of dive back in and see some of your previous fights. And I really, really enjoyed it. Super high intensity, super high energy, really fun fighter to watch everybody out there. If you haven't already, absolutely check out David and uh, his career. Great fighter. I hope he gets that cool million in this upcoming season at 170. And uh, we really appreciate you coming out again, my dude. Yeah, no problem. I had a good time. Hey, guys, this is David Mashad, and I just went 10 rounds with Rhino. Man, that was so cool. I love I love getting to know fighters I've seen on TV for a long time. You want to talk about a road warrior, dude? David Mashad is a road warrior. He's got wins in the UFC, in Bellator. Uh, he was on Tough. He fought in Titan, LFA, Combate. Now he's been in the PFL for a while. I mean, what a veteran's veteran, a fighter's fighter. Super cool. Nice dude. Really appreciate him taking the time. Can't wait to see him back in the cage for the PFL. So, hey, everybody, I know it's it's rough without UFC fights going on. Thankfully, we had Ryzen. Thankfully, we got some boxing. But uh, we really appreciate all of the time and effort you guys put into uh, writing in and calling in your questions. I had a great time doing this. I know Dre did, too. Um, yeah, yeah, please. Uh, we'll, we'll think about something we're going to do fun for for next week, we've got another great guest all lined up. So we'll uh, we'll have something fun again next week. I hope you guys stay tuned for that. So before uh, we say our goodbyes, I want to give a shout out to everybody in the Rhino Gang, not only who participated, but who listens every week. You guys are absolutely uh, incredible. I love all the feedback I get. Of course, to D Reigns, to Dave Fretz, to the feature play Adrea, the three Ds, the triple D for all of your guys' nonstop support. You are the backbone of this show. I appreciate the heck out of you. You guys have a wonderful rest of the week. I hope everybody enjoyed the holidays. Let's stay safe. Let's stay together. Black Lives Matter. And we will see you next week. Kaysa!